0: Welcome to the Future of Medicine podcast, where we believe that feeling great and living a long time is possible and that your healthcare should help you get there. I'm your host, Dr. Aaron Wenzel. My hope is simple, that this show will help you along your journey to becoming the healthiest, strongest, and most powerful version of you possible. Now, let's jump into the show. Hey, everybody, before we jump into... Fasting 2.0 with Zane Griggs. I wanted to just give you a brief overview of this episode. Of course, Zane and I could talk about this topic forever, probably every single day of our life, because not only is it real for us, and we see the impact that it's had in our own lives, but we see it with our private clients, Um, no matter what your goals are, no matter where you are. I think the big take-home point in this episode is not to be afraid of it. Don't get overwhelmed. Fasting is... Uh, both powerful and simplistic, all woven into one strategy. And we are going to walk through some of the common questions that we got on our first episode and really address some of the finer details, but also really put a bow on the whole concept of what this means for you and how to just take that first step and let this be a living, breathing thing and make it your own. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's show. I' am super excited to have a return guest, Zane Griggs, um, to help us go a little bit deeper with intermittent fasting. Um, if you haven't already listened to our first episode on intermittent fasting, I encourage you to spend some time consuming that. We are basically going to be jumping off from where we left off there with with a little bit of uh kind of a recap, but th- this is really meant to be an intermittent fasting 2.0. Um, and uh, Zane, welcome back. Thank you. Thanks great, for having man. me. So I've done a fair number of these podcasts and uh, far and away, the most popular episode that I have ever done was the episode I did with you on um, intermittent fasting being potentially your secret weapon. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, I-, I selfishly, I'm super pumped because there isn't a topic in all of health that I'm more fascinated with than fasting right now. And it, it seems to be that I'm not alone, that a lot of people um, are interested in this topic, curious, they're hearing about it. And when it comes up in my conversations clinically, it's immediately like the gateway is just open and People are very curious, and I've been able to kind of forward that episode to many, many, many people. And the feedback I'm getting is like, "It was great, awesome!" Um, and great. so, thank you for that.
1: Um, uh, I was happy to do. It, it was fun. It was fun.
0: <laughs> well, it's we're both geeks, and and, <laughs> yeah. and and we and we love the topic. So yeah, self-proclaimed. Um, <laughs> yes, self proclaimed. Yes. You know, I think today, really, what I would like to do is for for those who know that they're interested in this topic, but want to go both deeper and more practical Mm -hmm. because we're ready to kind of do it. I think that's what this episode is really all about. Um, Some of the most uh, common feedback I was getting on the first episode, uh, I think first and foremost, it's a topic people care about. And because people care about it, I care about it. It just happens to be a topic that I also deeply care about. Mm -hmm. Um, The most common question I get is around... Um, kind of the rules of engagement, like sure. practically what does it look like? Do certain things count do certain certain things not count? I won't say overwhelm, but maybe like there's a smidge of early stage overwhelm that starts to set in mm-hmm. with some of these questions because especially in my world, with the people that I take care of um they're a little bit of perfectionists. And so they don't want to get involved unless they can do it perfectly, which the beauty of fasting is that it doesn't have to be perfect there. It can look and feel and be applied many, many different ways. But most commonly I get, uh, the question about coffee.
1: Oh yeah, I do too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And so can you help us understand how someone who wants to pursue fasting really as a lifestyle, how we should be thinking about coffee
1: Okay. Um, yes, I get that question too. You know, coffee, tea. I usually tell people if, if it's black, obviously you're you're totally clear. Don't even think about it. Don't mm-hmm. you know, worry about it. Go ahead and have it. Um, avoid any kind of sweetener, as yeah. you because sweet sweeteners would um, you know elevate insulin levels, and that totally does you know interfere with the fast because pulls you
0: completely out of the fasting out of state.
1: fat yeah out of fat burning for mm-hmm. that matter. Out out of fasting, ketosis. it's just you mm-hmm. you can't burn fat if it, insulin's elevated. So you have to wait for that to come back down to pay how much sugar you have in there right um so the question is how you know then it comes to cream like you can add a fat how much of it just knowing knowing that however much fat you add is going to replace the amount of body fat that you're could be burning mm-hmm. instead of that so if it's a tablespoon of cream which is about 40 50 calories you know that's not that's not too bad. That's kind of a hiccup. It's a, it's a brief little substitute kind of for a your pause That's oh, a pause, but you're not elevating insulin. So it's not a long, it's not like you have to come back to a fat burning state. You're still burning fat, mm-hmm. but you're burning that fat until, you know, you're just changing which fat you're, you're supplementing. Mm-hmm. You're supplementing mm-hmm. the fat burning of your body with, with some cream. So it's a couple of tablespoons. If you're pouring a quarter of your cup is got <laughs> some kind of cream, you're, you're having a meal. That's not yeah. really coffee. That's, that's, you've got to, you know, three or four hundred calories snack there, and that's definitely undermining your, your efforts. Yeah, I don't think most of my, uh, I don't think most folks that I'm
0: dealing with are heavy, heavy, you know, like sure. having meals in a cup. Right. I think it's just generally, is coffee okay? And I think if it's right. black,
1: obviously it's yeah. totally fine. Yeah. Uh,
0: with a tablespoon or two of cream, and even if you had two or three cups of coffee, it still seems unlikely to be, Right, very
1: impactful. Right, the, the 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 reason I address it is because of the the, the popularity of the bulletproof coffee, oh, yeah. which was, uh, I mean, if you listen to the typical bulletproof recipe, it's it's a it's lot a of fat. It's a meal. It's a lot of mm-hmm. fat. Can be four or five hundred calories easily of butter, cream, mm-hmm. something else added, maybe you know. So th- that's a very different. Um, I agree. A very different, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, approach, and as opposed to just trying to. Basically, stay out of your body's way to burn body fat and allow it to, to tap into its own stores. Yeah, allow it to do what it's designed to do. Right. And basically, just... we're trying to get out of our body's way. Yes. So, as, and so uh, not interfere with that you know, as much as possible. Stay, stay out of its way.
0: I don't have a lot of people that are doing the Bulletproof anymore. I know for me per- personally, mm-hmm. I, number one, I like coffee. Yeah, I love it. Um, and so because I like coffee, I like to drink it. But it was time consuming to make a bulletproof coffee and I just don't have the time or energy. <laughs> That's the yeah. reason I'm drinking the coffee is I'm looking right. for um a little jump start either early in the morning. Right. Um or a mid afternoon kind of yeah. you know, pick me up. Right. And I, I don't want to sit there and whip butter and right. measure out <laughs> you know, it, it was Actually, just too much. Right. Um and frankly I never really developed the palate for that much fat in my mouth, it was a lot of, um, it left a weird texture in my mouth personally. Right. I love the science. Now, if you needed, if you needed a bulletproof in lieu of a meal in a survival type situation or all you had was liquids and you could just emulsify some fats and like, it's an incredible survival technique. Sure. Um. um but, so what about sweeteners? What about artificial sweeteners? Obviously, sugar's a no-go. But what right. about, uh, we get a lot of questions about stevia Splenda, of the world monk fruit how how do we need well i guess yeah we could even take that a little further like sugars obviously but help the listeners because i talk about this a lot natural sweeteners Mm -hmm. because there's a word natural like right like guava neck i don't even know all there's there's all these oh
1: there's so many yeah and some that there are, there are sugar alcohols that really we can't digest, so they don't mm-hmm. technically elevate insulin. They don't really add calories. They pass through our system. So how do we think about
0: artificial sweeteners that – like the Stevia and Splendas of the world mm-hmm. and the natural sweeteners that definitely have a lot of glucose in them? Mm-hmm. How do we need to be thinking
1: about those? Because people ask a lot about that. Yeah, the natural sweetener is definitely a no – because it's caloric, it's sweet. I mean, they have glucose, they have fructose, which affects, yes. you know, it's processed the in liver. the liver. Mm-hmm. So if you're dealing with a weight loss situation or a insulin-resistant situation, you probably have some level of fatty liver going on or some insulin resistance going on in the liver. That's going to make it worse. Mm-hmm. That's not going to help you at all. Um, with artificial sweeteners, you know, the, the taste of something sweet will temporarily elevate the... Insulin. I mean, even mm-hmm. you walk into Panera thinking you just wanted a coffee, and mm-hmm. you could see, you smell bread, and suddenly you're hungry. Well, that's a reaction of insulin, and it's called the cephalic phase of right. digestion. Yeah, it's just it's, it's preparation mm-hmm. for food. Yeah, right? but there's a there's a you know you're stimulating hunger to mm-hmm. some degree, and there might be a, a temporary or, or momentary elevation of, of insulin and in preparation for what you think is going to be. Nourishment. Some glu- glucose yeah. containing yeah food yeah nutrients um so ideally no if, yeah. if if especially when you're trying to either fast or if your goal is weight loss you want to move away from sweet tasting foods mm-hmm. anyway more, more towards the savory side you're trying to stay away from that sweet constantly bombarding your yep. your taste buds with sweet 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 like everything everything has to be sweet and so f- just from a you know, for your long-term goal and where you're headed, you want to avoid sweet-tasting foods, whether they're heavy-caloric or, or not, yeah, as much as possible.
0: No, I, I like the way you said that. I mean, obviously, everything depends on your goal. If you're craving something sweet, but you don't want cheesecake, obviously, having a cup of coffee that's sweet is better than having cheesecake. Right. But if your goal is to just drink coffee, and because you need a pick-me-up, but you're trying to do it in a way that doesn't be disruptive to your fast. Just stay away from anything sweet. So right. the, the natural sweeteners are definitely off limits, whether definitely. we're talking about
1: yeah. can, cane,
0: white sugar, <laughs> uh, sugar in the raw, guava, right. yeah. honey, all uh, this stuff. Yeah. Just it's it's not good or bad or right or wrong. It's just it's, it's not ideal if you're pursuing a fasting state. Right. As far as the artificial sweeteners, the Splenda, Stevias of the world, I think in an ideal world – to your point, just stay away from things that are sweet um, because it, it can be a gateway, both in the cephalic phase of digestion and it can start to stimulate cravings for right, for sweet things. It can also have a transient insulin response, right. which would be very disruptive to a keto a yeah. nutritional ketosis of a fat burning that you're trying to get into and maintain in your fast. Right. That's the whole re- mobilizing fat. That's what we're right. trying to do. Right. So I think I like thinking about it as, uh, black is ideal, mm-hmm. like the most ideal or, or black t- uh, t- un
1: um, non chloric drink. Yeah. yeah. So. Water, so whether tea, it's regular
0: coffee. tea, water yeah. or coffee, yeah, Next most ideal would be just some sort of high fat, uh, cream Mm -hmm. in it, uh, would be next best. Then some sort of Stevia or Splenda would be next best. And then, and
1: then it's just, who knows? (laughs) You start throwing sweeteners in your, then then that's a whole new, world. Then that's a, what are we doing? Yeah. Then never mind. Like, (laughs) you know,
0: um, yeah, exactly. So, um, The next question I get a lot is, is fasting just skipping meals? So like if I just skip breakfast or if I skip lunch or skip dinner, is is that essentially what fasting is? And it sounds like a simple question, but I I think that it's it's worth really helping folks anchor in on how to think about what constitutes fasting Mm. uh, without being really legalistic or, you know, heavily rules based um, r- remind us how to think about what
1: constitutes a fast okay okay well um, yeah that and it, there are there are more than there's more than one way to fast mm-hmm. obviously there's several variations but generally speaking our dependence on on body fat for fuel starts to be elevated after about 12 hours of not taking in any sort of calories. Mm -hmm. So that's where, um, I, I recommend people, even if they're eating three meals a day, put at least a 12 hour window between dinner and breakfast, just to manage weight, Mm -hmm. lose weight, maintain. I mean, that's just a healthy gap between dinner Mm -hmm. and your first meal the next day, whenever that is, at least a 12-hour window, and that's very similar to how we ate 30, 40, 50 years ago. Forever
0: until about 1950. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and even back when we were eating three meals a day, it's like most people didn't, you know, we weren't eating for 15 hours a day like we are now. Um, And the reason why that's ideal is, you alluded to, is that
0: for the overwhelming majority of people— not consuming any source of caloric intake for 12 hours will ensure that most people will begin to mobilize fat right. stores to preserve homeostasis and co- harmony physiologically. And in an otherwise active lifestyle, it's a fantastic. Check and balance of right. it, it's what you're designed to do. It's a balance. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if you start compressing that window of time where you're fasting, you're not giving yourself the best shot to naturally just mobilize fat. So you're going to be accumulating.
1: Right, because and, you're and, interfering with fat burning every yes. time you eat.
0: Yeah. yeah, and 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 so the story goes: the average American gains three to five pounds of fat every year, year over year. It's no wonder every decade you're putting on fifty pounds. Right. It's it's slow in the beginning, and then all of a sudden it's like twenty-year reunions happen, and you know, right. You're not one hundred and eighty anymore; you're two eighty. Yeah, I mean, it happens
1: all the time. Yeah,
0: and that's why <laughs> you're talking about alcohol and talking about like other right. things. This is just not giving yourself enough time where you're not eating.
1: Mm-hmm. i blood sugar to calm down. And yeah. Get, get so out. we,
0: I think if I remember correctly in our first episode, we, we kind of oh. defined a fast as 12 hours of not eating
1: as a minimal yeah. as,
0: as a, as a, okay, yeah. now we're fasting
1: now at this point, we're we'll getting fast. We're, yeah.
0: 97 out of a hundred people will be mobilizing fat at a level that will preserve normal ideal physiology at about 12 hours. Yes. Not, every, not everybody needs that long, but most people will be in a fasting state by around 12 hours. Sure. Yes. And that as we, um, begin to try to expand that beyond 12 hours, we start to really leverage and take advantage of the benefits of fasting and burning, mobilizing this excess body fat. Correct. Right. right. Yes. Um, does it have to be breakfast
1: that people skip? Have to no. Um there are there are plenty of cases where they've watched people might do a breakfast and lunch and they skip dinner and it mm-hmm. works, works for them. them if that works for their lifestyle and if they feel better that way. Mm-hmm. I think the the bigger the the more effective most effective variable is having a fourteen, fifteen, sixteen hour, maybe eighteen hours of Straight of not taking in calories. That's probably the biggest, um, most powerful
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, factor. Uh, for most people, dinner seems to be the one they're least able to um, change the schedule. So they schedule mm-hmm. scheduled on family time or just the right. end of the day. Right. It also seems to be a bit of a relaxer, like help people unwind, they eat dinner, they relax and go to bed. Mm-hmm. So breakfast seems to be the easiest to skip typically. Um, the other thing, factor I, I i talk about sometimes is, is horm- or hormones basically uh mm-hmm. the uh, stress hormones so like cortisol adrenals are high in the morning mm-hmm. they, that's what wakes us up um, that gives us energy that keeps us kind of gives us it makes us alert it can actually cause the liver to release a little bit of, of glucose in the bloodstream not to make not to go you mm-hmm. know not to a, a uh, uh, a super high level and an abnormal level, but enough to give us some energy. So why not use those adrenals, those stress mm-hmm. hormones for energy in the morning? And, um, and then as those start to come down later in the day and we, we start, you know, uh, getting into more, you know, the sleep hormones at night, you know, let's just work with, with that right. rhythm.
0: I couldn't agree with you more actually. And I, When I asked you that question, I wasn't even thinking about that, but as you, I'm like, wow, I mean, that is exactly, why don't take it, why not take advantage of the, the natural rhythm Mm -hmm. of our hormonal system? And I know for me, for years and years, I was like, oh no, I'm an, I'm an end of the day workout guy. Mm -hmm. Like I like, it helps me unwind. Actually, when I look back over those 15 or 20 years where that was kind of what I did, I had to manufacture energy at the end of the day so that I could go work out. It was not in line. It was like like being a half beat off of sheet of music. Mm. I I needed to incredibly take a high level of caffeine or uh, generate artificial energy to push myself through the workout. And then oftentimes would struggle trying to come down and then it's bedtime at the end of the day. Um, it's a
1: sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah.
0: yeah. Most people, now there are some anomalies out there, some people who are just kind of, <laughs> they just, they have different wiring and right. they, they come alive at the end of the day. Yeah. And so if that's your na- nature, I, I think maybe what you're saying is it depends on your rhythm and kind of what right. your nature is and whatever's most sustainable and most practical. For most people, it's going to be, um, skipping breakfast is going to be the most ideal. Mm-hmm. It's probably the most ideal time for most people to exercise as well. I think um, so. Yeah. Mostly due to it's when you're freshest. It's when you have um, the the largest amount of hormonal optimization right. early in the morning. Right. And later in the day, not only do you not have the hormonal uh, surge, but you have the wear and tear and fatigue of the day, but you also have infinite opportunity for things to get in the way and all of a sudden become more priority. Right. And you know, if you've got an hour to an hour and a half of fitness time, it can all of a sudden go from that's what I'm doing to, well, that's kind of discretionary time. I'll just allocate that time towards something else that in the moment is going to be more important. Whereas in the first of the day, it's just over, and right. I, I know for me that's been a game changer for me. It's actually such a big deal for me that if I don't work out first thing, first thing, like first thing, I see a sliding scale of the longer I wait, the less likely I actually get into the gym. That's pretty, and common. it's not. It's yeah. not that I'm like, oh well, I'll just come up with something. I, and I'm just a normal guy. My life just gets busy, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to get fatigued. And a fatigued brain, with other options, will choose the other options. Right. Many times, and so I think for most people, fasting, continuing their fast through the night, and just moving through breakfast with some cap, plus or minus some coffee or tea. Right. Really is the easiest way to apply these principles and not be very disruptive. It's like all upside, no downside. Right. It's speed. It's, uh, you get more sleep. You can just move right into your work day. It's one less thing to think about, one less thing to manage, one less thing to prepare, one less thing to kind of grocery shopping and spend like all of those things. You you just eliminate an one third of your decision making around food. You just eliminate it.
1: Right. And, and most people don't have the time in the morning to really prep a good, healthy
0: correct meal. They're eating instant oatmeal
1: or a bowl of cereal, right. and right. which is it gets quickly compromised. Yeah, we can go down yeah. another yeah, 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 rabbit yeah. We, trail that gonna, with that, with what gonna the avoid. choices are. But there's just less less care. It's, it's more likely that less care will be put into well, the other meal. than basically bacon and eggs.
0: Yeah, the entire breakfast industry, right, is all boxed carbohydrates. Yeah, it's processed, which with, are all yeah. garbage. All yeah. of them. Yeah. Different varying levels of garbage. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Good Um, question. Let's see. What's my next thing that we, um, what about folks who want to try this, who are diabetic? This is something that um, I find myself talking about often with my diabetics. How do you think about fasting from a fitness training standpoint and your diabetics? that's
1: it's a well, it's definitely
0: um I mean obviously you're not a physician, but I'm not but, a physician I have to be but careful. but you have thoughts about it, I, yes,
1: yeah. and it's case by case because so many you know as you know that that can be look different for each person mm-hmm. uh I don't know of a better way to control it or reverse those symptoms than finding some way to introduce fasting leveling out blood sugar and and just trying to normalize fat burning and 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 insulin levels blood sugar levels. But how it's walked out is really, um, I think, case by case, and, and a physician, or at least you know, some, some medical care, you know, has to be uh, introduced. But it's certainly doable. I, I hate to hear, "Well, I have to take my, you know, I have to eat in the morning because I got to take my insulin," mm-hmm. and that just sounds so circular to me, almost spiraling downward. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's like you are kind of missing the point of you are eating to take insulin, but you are also taking insulin because you ate. And mm-hmm. at what point do we do we kind of see that you're not going to change anything if you if you don't make changes in in food intake, insulin levels? I mean, that's that's the whole mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. But how to manage that? I I would almost I'd have to defer.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and, and to a th- doctor, you know? Well, and and I think you've got to look at it on a patient by patient. Um, Exactly. There are different types of insulins. There's long acting, there's short acting, there's oral diabetes medicines. I will say that, generally speaking, my philosophy with diabetics is other than not eating things that raise your blood sugar, Mm -hmm. fasting might just be the greatest tool you have to improve your overall glycemic control. Absolutely. And People who um, take oral uh, diabetic medication, most all of them, with the exception of metformin, will elicit hypoglycemic episodes. I'm not a fan of most – essentially the only one I am a fan of is metformin mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons, which is a whole other, uh episode. But mostly because we have millions and millions and millions of patient year data on metformin and we understand it very, very well and it doesn't – Cause hypoglycemic episodes. And so it's a relatively safe drug in a diabetic to continue when talking about fasting. Basically, all the other ones. Probably, I don't have, I personally don't have any patients on any other oral hypoglycemics, but there are a lot of people listening to this who are on glipizide and gliburide and kind of all these other oral medications, which you have to eat or you will be driven down and you're going to end up yeah. in the emergency room calling paramedics. Right. Um, I generally don't use those medications because the risk of hypoglycemia is so real in them, even in someone not fasting. I mean, these people get low all the time. As a general rule with insulin, um, I, I will, somebody out of the gate, I'll cut their long-acting insulin in half right out of the gate. Mm. Because to your point, much of our insulin consumption as a diabetic is chasing a bad diet. Right now, certainly there are people who need it and it will serve its purpose, but at least 50% of our insulin consumption, uh, as a medical community treating diabetes is chasing a bad diet. And anybody who doesn't maybe agree with that statement, all they need to do is go look at one diabetic tray in a hospital. (laughs) No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know it's a it's a bowl of canned syrup fruit instead of cake. give me a break
1: right Ugh.
0: i mean it's the same <laughs> it's it's uh you know anyway it, it's exchanging uh starches for starches and sugars for other forms of sugars and right it, it, it's it's a bunch of nonsense and um but anyway um so i i would say a diabetic at least in my practice, would need to probably stop or hold oral uh diabetic medication with the exception of metformin. And see how you do. Mm. Obviously we have to just re- right. report back, see how you feel. Um short acting insulin, I would take it away completely till we prove we need it. And then long acting insulin, I would cut it by half and be ready to cut it in half again or potentially even take it away completely depending on how much insulin sensitivity that diabetic still has preserved or is reclaimable through the benefits of fasting because we talked about in our other episode about the the power of insulin sensitivity with right. fasting and kind of kind of all that but i think diabetics in general in the world of like making big changes for their health they have a unique challenge that non-diabetics don't have absolutely um and so that needs to be walked out one on one with your provider Um, but there's going to be a reduction if you're fasting, there's going to be a reduction of your diabetic control strategy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. out of the gate. Um, which you would hope
1: would be the goal anyway, (laughs) which should be the goal,
0: (laughs) right? Which if, if there's any like lingering, I'm not sure if this is right for me because I'm diabetic. No, no, there's probably not a better strategy because out of the gate, we have to reduce it all. Yeah. And so, no, that's good. Um, The most common question I get also is, I'm super pumped. I want to do this. I'm very interested. How do I get started? And I think that'll lead us into really what this episode is kind of about. um, Starting with what are the recommended or most common, uh, what I would call rhythms of fasting. Mm. You know, um, if you Google it, there's all kinds of... Right. ideas and philosophies how does Zane think about fasting from a, you have a client ready to implement it mm-hmm. and if somebody has given you the keys of their health and said Zane get me healthy I want to fast, just tell me what to do what are you going to ask them to do fasting wise uh,
1: the simplest approach I usually start with is like we've discussed already, skipping breakfast having coffee or tea, maybe a little fat in it if they want it and eating a low carb usually, uh, I don't want to get ahead of us. But if their if their goal is weight loss, usually a, a low carb lunch and then dinner. It's it's uh, pretty you know I don't want to say balanced, but maybe they they have a serving of a starch if they want it, um, just to offset get them used to that. But it's a twi- it's a sixteen hour fasted period and compressing their eating window into about eight hours. That's give or take. Make it work with your schedule as much as possible. If it's six hours, great. If it happens to be nine one day, okay, don't beat yourself up. It's not a big deal. But the goal is. So stop eating when? Stop eating. Well, at night, you know, stop eating after dinner.
0: And and an ideal dinner would be what time?
1: So eight o'clock? Let's say at the latest, let's say eight. Depends, so, it depends when they go to bed and their, and their schedule. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, but for most they, people, yeah, if they stop eating by eight, then they want to go till at least you know noon mm-hmm. the next day. That's that's a sixteen hour fast. That's uh, what I typically tell people. Yeah, before until mm-hmm. until you know just before they start taking in calories, unless mm-hmm. it's just like a, like we've talked about a little bit of cream in the coffee. Um, if they decide to push that further, that's fine, but try to go till till noon and compress their eating into, you know, a great two meals, you know, a lunch and a dinner. If they really feel like they need a snack in between, try something small, light, Mm -hmm. low carb, ideally, but it's not, um, it needs to work with their schedule. So don't make it create stress, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but a a compressed 80 hour eating window. So if somebody was going to
0: go, I want to, you know, they want to do more than sixteen hours. It, do you find it's easier to eat earlier, your your last meal of the day earlier, or is it easier to do your first meal to break your fast a little later? Do you understand what I'm saying?
1: I do. Um, you know, it depends a little bit on the person. The, the dinner. So I wanted schedule, to go to
0: eighteen hours, not sixteen.
1: Yeah, I would. I would push lunch out to like three. To There's like three some, and yeah. keep it, you know, keep it small. A light three. Yeah, because dinner is so often, you know, involved with, depending on their lifestyle, other people.
0: Yeah. There's a huge cultural and um, interpersonal right. aspect of the evening meal kind of right. always has been, which is very much in line with human history. Like, oh sure, Like yeah. the evening meal was really the celebration of another day that we didn't die. That, you know, that <laughs> yeah. a, an, another day that we actually have food to
1: eat. Mm-hmm. Um, Recovery from the work of the day. Yeah. Getting and, and ready to
0: rest. Reconnecting as a family. There, right. There's that that core element of being a human being that happens kind of... Like around the campfire. Or yeah, around the <laughs> dinner table. Or the dinner table um, or
1: wherever it is you are. And yeah. although
0: that doesn't exist for everyone...
1: Um, well, we see it in happy hour. I mean, we see yeah. it, and it just, it's just—it's a naturally humans
0: want to create it elsewhere. They crave that end of the day gathering. End of the day, mm-hmm. let's get together, you know,
1: unwind. Talk. I, like,
0: I like that actually. I mean,
1: it's really—it's really more natural whether we have a family hmm. dinner or you're just meeting friends out or whatever it is at the end of your day. You want to relax. You want to have a meal. It's part of the unwinding process. So I just find it—it's like keep that stable for most people, whatever yeah. that looks like for them,
0: and it's then. A... That's a really great, th- I've actually never really thought about that, but that's a that's a rich concept, you know, that
1: mm-hmm.
0: although we start days at varying times, everybody has different sleep patterns and wake up patterns and routines in the morning, it feels almost universal that most people around 5 to 6 p.m. up till 8 or 9 p.m., mm-hmm. there is a craving for community and gathering and kind of like fellowship for breaking a, bread yeah. For yeah, yeah 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 no that, that and and people they'll meet at the ball game they meet at the the, the corner bar and right. or they meet for like a late cup of coffee at starbucks or they come over and you know watch the game or right. there's just the there's an evening fellowship that humans crave um and it's hard to separate a meal from that so it's, yeah, when we talk, about pra- <laughs> we talk about practicality and, and things right. that are sustainable and more lifestyle and less. Right. Having yeah, that- less disruptive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So even when I do a 24 hour fast, which, I don't, you know, some people do, some people have frequently throughout a week or maybe I do it once a week. That 20, that meal is, it's, you know, it's a dinner to dinner mm-hmm. because it's just the least disruptive of my day. And I just stay busy all day doing other, doing other things. Focus on work. Well,
0: and it's hard to go to bed on an empty stomach. It's hard yeah. to sleep hungry. Right. You can, I can, at least for me, I can plow through the day kind of hungry and kind of oh, like yeah. mind over matter and be like, oh, yeah, I'm mobilizing Absolutely. fat and get all nerdy about it. And But I, the idea of waking up eating and then not eating all day, going to bed and not eating again, to, like that sounds traumatic to me. <laughs> There's something about yeah. the end of the day eating right. – um, And you introduced me um, probably a year ago to a 24-hour fast. And I'm not going to say it was easy, but it certainly wasn't hard. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And at the time, of course, I didn't start with 24-hour fasting. I had been doing most every day, um, kind of a 16-hour fast. Mm -hmm. I started doing the math. I'm like, well, I'm breaking my fast at 1 o'clock. Anyway, half of the days I get so busy at work. I'm like, oh, I didn't eat. Mm. And it's three o'clock. All we're talking about is pushing it to like seven. Right. So it's just a couple more hours. And I kind of like psyched myself out, you mm. know, about like how scary it was going to be. And then I started, I'm like, wait a minute, like doing finger math. It's only like a couple more hours. Right. I could totally do that. Yeah. And I got to tell you. There are moments through the day when I'm doing a 24-hour where I'm like, oh, (laughs) man, I could really – if there was something to cheat, I would cheat right now. But there's nothing around. But that that meal is so satisfying. There is an element of joy and satiety and just overall satisfaction that comes from eating a wonderful meal at the end of a 24-hour fast that I just don't get. Um, and so I like the idea when, when you can to do once a week, 24 hour fasting, um, not even from a weight loss standpoint, just purely from a biochemical. Yeah. We talked a little bit last episode about autophagy. Right. I love the biochemistry of forcing your body to mobilize fat for 24
1: hours. Yeah. It's a rebalancing. I mean, insulin sensitivity. Yes i mean
0: just the hormone and it's too much for one episode but the hormonal interplay that is going on in a prolonged fasting state without getting into anything harmful it's just all upside for sure and and then it gets into a little bit where you and i have kind of talked about this and i've had these one-on-one conversations with with clients that have tried this and really enjoyed it as i do there is There is something about an otherwise very disciplined human who most of my clients are very disciplined. They're very successful because they're disciplined. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe not with their diet and their weight, but economically, relationally their businesses, their great parents, um, their faith, like everything is really dialed in with the exception of maybe they're not their ideal physique. Fasting is kind of the gateway concept into applying this monk-like discipline that they apply to their finances, to their spirituality, to their relationships, right. but they can now apply it to their eating yeah. and they love it because it's simple.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's very regimented. It's very in control. I call it, it's like my inner monk. Mm-hmm. Like I just, there's something about being disciplined with purpose, not discipline for
1: to be legalistic or for discipline's sake, or just sure. to be self-abasement or self yeah, yeah like you're yeah. punishing yourself for something. But, yeah, but it's a system. Yes, I think there's a system. Is putting a system in place. You have a plan, and it's so simple. And you set yourself up to succeed that way with a system. But they've just like you said, they systematize so many other parts of mm-hmm. their life. They mean they mean they even uh, set their clothes out the night before, but right. they know what they're doing the next day. They've got mm-hmm. their schedule set. Why not apply that same schedule to how you eat? Yes, in your, your in your fitness. It lifestyle. has
0: been for me and for the the patients that I have introduced to it. It's been freeing.
1: That's um, that's what I hear a lot too. It's freeing. It's freeing.
0: Yeah. It's a it's a it's a discipline meets simplicity meets results, mm-hmm. which is like, huh? It's that simple. Wow! <laughs> and it works. Mm-hmm. And I actually feel good. And I'm reaching meeting my goals. And it right so. I think that's really amazing. How often can somebody do it safely? That's another question I get a lot. Um, Which? Uh,
1: just the just the 16-hour fast. I mean, I've done it daily for years. Yeah. <laughs> so, How long I have mean, you been fasting? Oh, I've implemented fasting, oh my gosh, you seven, eight years. I've been playing with fasting at some level, So You're an early years. adopter. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. found it to be very effective just for, Mm -hmm. and I not that I ever had to lose weight, Mm -hmm. but it just helped me manage. I liked all the things we talked about, all the side benefits, the health benefits of the um, the control over fat burning and just being very, you know, being very lean. But um, yeah, I definitely took it on early. Just went to play with it also for my weight loss clients, just first safety reasons, you know, like I, I don't want to ask someone to do something I haven't done myself or I don't, can't practice myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found it as a great balance. And so that if I did have an off, you know, meal, I wasn't worried about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, I'm not, I'm not trying to lose weight, but just looking for ways to, to balance my lifestyle with, with fitness, um, with longevity, mm-hmm. with trying to stave off insulin uh, resistance, which comes, well, you know, to all of us in some degree over time with mm-hmm, age. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pushing 50, <laughs> I'll be 50. No, it's a happy new year here. I'm in, By the end of the year, I'll be turning 50. And um, I plan on having a long, healthy mm-hmm. life. While I'm here, I want it to be healthy. I want it. And so to me, I look at it as a way to maintain um, not just longevity, but a healthy, active lifestyle into those... Years of my 60s 70s 80s you know i want to I want to be still insulin sensitive i don't want to be mm-hmm. relying on drugs to manage blood pressure blood sugar those kind of, as, you know stay that off as long as possible correct and uh, and that's why I look at it. I see it as a way to manage those things those lifestyle diseases that are preventable and this well is it's, it's one, one behavior
0: them. yeah and one thing that you can master that both helps you map your short-term goals, which might be as simple as feeling better, having clearer thinking, more energy, or it might be weight loss goals, but it also maps your long-term goals, which is delaying the onset or progression of chronic diseases.
1: Mm -hmm. Correct.
0: I mean, it, it it is the single greatest tool I can think of that requires... When you really think about the amount of effort, energy and resources the, it requires the least amount it requires right. discipline to be applied towards some very basic principles, right, that give huge return on investment. Exactly. I mean, I ca- I cannot think of a better return on effort, energy or resources than just understanding the basic architecture of a fasted intermittent fasting
1: lifestyle. I just I, I, right. I'm open to there being something else. I just haven't found it. Right. That's as simple, and we can we have total control, control over. So when people ask me, and they ask yes. me the same question, that is you it have safe? control of, yeah, you have yes. control over. Is it safe? It's like, well, it's a whole lot safer than eating four or five meals yes. a day. <laughs> it's a whole lot safer than eating from six in the morning until eight o'clock at night.
0: That's very dangerous. That's extremely dangerous. Just so look at the average. That's American. what's
1: not safe. Yes, you know safety of an intermittent fast that's actually quite you're getting closer to normal normal being if you go back far enough it was one meal a day around you know at yeah. the end of the day um so i know people who do one meal a day as a weight loss or as just a maintain you know it they, might that's start as a weight loss yeah it might start as a weight loss and they end up staying that way it's like this is just the way i eat one meal a day They feel it. good yeah they feel great um mm-hmm. the the uh the founder of Twitter, CEO mm-hmm. of Twitter, he gotten a lot of press against him for being, you know, for being weird, mm-hmm. but that's how he There's a lot eats. of biohackers
0: in yeah. Northern California that are yeah. using fasting that don't have any need or want or desire to lose weight. They just feel better. Right. Uh, a fasted brain, I call it. It, yeah. it is a neat place to be. Yeah. Um, one of the other n- next most common conversations I have is, Okay, great. I'm fasting. Now when it's time to eat, what do I actually put in my mouth? How should we how would you coach one of your private clients who's completely all in, they're fasting, they're doing great, but they need they need some more of that monk-like discipline structure to think about what I'm putting in my mouth once it's time to eat. Mm. How would you tell someone to think about their diet because this isn't really a diet anymore. This is about creating a, a rhythm to your lifestyle mm-hmm. that, that will help you meet your goals. But how should people think about the, the, um, the details of what they're putting in their mouth? Cause we've been harping a lot about r- when should you open your mouth? Yeah. Once it's time to open your mouth. Yes. How should people think about the food that they're putting in their mouth?
1: Okay. Well, that's a great question. And it can depend somewhat on goals, what their diet is. So mm-hmm. they could, there are, there are, So somebody that wants to lose 25 pounds. Okay. So I would typically recommend a low-carb diet for someone who does that anyway. So I would say continue with a a low-carb diet diet when they do that. But I think the biggest, um, especially someone who's not used to doing intermittent fasting, when they begin to eat, many times um, they they don't realize it until they get around food. And their actions or decision-making tends to be a little bit impulsive. And they might grab mm-hmm. the first thing that they see or they may not want to say, okay, I'm going to eat now. And they open up that gate or they open up that, that barrier that, to, uh, that they had to, to, not, you know, to, to keep themselves from eating. And they don't make great decisions if they're not used to it. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a little more impulsive, almost like um, instinctive, that they just put in the highest caloric food within reach. So I would say plan that. Plan that first meal, plan your meals, make sure you know what you're going to eat, whether it's pre prepped, uh, at least partially, or, um, that it's, it's available to put together quickly. Um, again, especially at the beginning, because, um, you're, you're more likely to make bad decisions if you haven't already figured out exactly what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And so I would say whatever it is, you plan it, okay. but generally, generally speaking, um, you know, the skip breakfast, a low carb lunch, and then a fairly low carb dinner. Depending on their meals, some people I say, okay, have a serving of of a starch with a protein and some veggies. Whereas lunch might be protein and veggies with mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of fat on the side, like some nuts, some avocado, mm-hmm. something healthy, olive mm-hmm. oil, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Um, but it, but the main thing is make sure you know what that's going to be and have it uh, available or within reach. So you
0: want to limit your. Need to make decisions
1: yes. in the moment. make it systematic mm-hmm. as much as possible. That's more important than mm-hmm. almost what that choice is. You know, if you know I'm going to be around this place at this time, but then, and that's going to be the only window to get something healthy, grab something healthy in that moment. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to be, if if you're going to be out somewhere where the only thing available is fast food, that's not the time to break your fast, yeah. obviously. Um so it's really giving some thought as to what's going to be available at that time and, and preparing for it um, because it's just, it's just funny. I hear stories all the time. I wasn't sure what to eat. And then I, I all of a sudden I just grabbed this, this and this and thought in time as to really, but. I like
0: that. I like that a lot. What about somebody who, eh, I don't know that I need to lose any weight. I just, I just want to eat for health and longevity. How would they think about,
1: Health and longevity.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe their primary okay. uh, objective isn't necessarily weight loss. Mm-hmm. It's you know because there's a lot of there are a lot of dollars jockeying for people's attention on where to spend those dollars as far as dietary thesis. Right. Um, how does Zane think about? I mean, I mean, look, you're a guy who's got. Let's just say. Are very low body fat, very very much <laughs> under ten uh, percent body fat, and approaching fifty. You're in very rare company. So your primary goal—you don't walk around thinking about how do I get leaner. Like that's not so for somebody like you, or someone in that world where weight loss isn't their primary driver. Mm-hmm. They just want to maybe feel better, or have more energy, or be stronger, or so they have some other north right. star, not weight loss. How would you think about? eating from a diet standpoint. I think
1: first priority would be whole foods, staying away from processed foods as much as possible. Stay away from packaged foods. Um, if you do have to use something that comes out of a bottle or, or something like, like a, a a dressing of some sort, look at the, read the label, but avoid, avoid sugars, avoid added sugars, avoid, you know, um, but stay towards whole foods as much as possible. Balance getting a good amount of protein, Mm -hmm. um, whole veggies, uh, whether it's salad or steamed and some and you know, healthy fats. Nuts, avocado, talk olive oil is always great. And and just control or manage or, or you know pay attention to how much carbohydrate's coming into your body. I would definitely say, especially mm-hmm. as we get older, we become less and less tolerant to that. Mm-hmm. We can't certainly can't eat like we did when we were twenty. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't pretend like we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you stay towards whole food, that can usually be very satisfying if you're mm-hmm. eating a kind of a colorful, balanced and it's plates. more integrative
0: into culture also because, right. you know, r- restaurants and f- get togethers, there's usually real food. Real food, yeah. Yeah. There's also some processed food. But if you can I- – I love actually that as a as a non-weight loss North Star, just um, – you say Whole Foods, I like it. Um, there's a restaurant in here in town that um, they have a slogan that says if it wasn't food 100 years ago, it's not food. And I I love the simplicity of that. So like just really navigating your world around something that is in a box, something that's processed. Um, If you don't need or want to lose weight, that's a really great general doctrine, right? you know, because you're not, you're not legalistic into this. Like, Oh, I can't have like, this type of food. This thing, yeah. because it's not on my plan. Right. Well, it's just, it's a more freeing mindset to be like, is this real food? Right. And if it is, then in portion control, and I can navigate through this based on my activity, based on some other things that are right. going on. But I like the whole food approach for somebody who doesn't have weight loss as their primary goal. Mm-hmm. However, I will back you up a thousand percent. If you have any ambition to reduce body fat and your dietary thesis at the top is not restriction on carbohydrates, you're gonna work way harder than you need to.
1: Oh yeah. For sure.
0: I mean I, I mean it's just it's just it's biochemistry.
1: It's biochemistry.
0: That's all it comes down I, to. I mean yeah. it and anybody who tells you otherwise is confused. It just is. I mean, you could either run 26 miles or not eat a piece of cheesecake, right? It's the same caloric expenditure. The calories in calories out is a garbage thinking and it will set you up for a lot of disappointment and a lot of effort without result. Right. You would be much better off to focus on calorically restricting carbohydrates. Correct. Specifically, non-whole food carbohydrates. Right, exactly. You know, your boxed carbohydrates. Yeah. You know? Any kind of processed, prepped. Some sort of clean protein source with probably all the veggies you want, with the exception of starches.
1: Like mm-hmm. potatoes, yeah. But I fi- say I say veggies, veggies above the ground, fibrous veggies. You're right, yeah.
0: Veggies below the ground, meh, yeah, trouble. Yeah. They're basically big sugar bombs. Yeah,
1: roots and tubers, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So carrots, onions, potatoes, even sweet potatoes. Oh, sure, it's starch. Yeah. Yeah. It's a starch. Peas, um, for sure. Green beans. They're, they just tend to be a little starchy. You get in bright, colorful, green, orange, yellow, red above the ground veggies. you would have to eat truckloads of them. First of all, you couldn't. Right. Um, And so good, clean protein sources and veggies I don't think would ever hurt any human on any level. That probably is what we need to be eating anyway with a nice balance. Um, But if weight loss is your primary driver and you're not really restricting carbohydrates... And you're going to eat a snicker bar and say, it's okay because it's only 247 calories. Right. And I get 1,200 a day.
1: Okay. You're going to
0: lose. You're
1: going up the down escalator, basically. You're trying <laughs> to walk up the down escalator. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, you're just, it's not going to happen.
0: You'd be much better off eating 247 calories of broccoli. Uh, yeah. And you have no insulin response. And you probably wouldn't even be able to eat that much because that's a lot of broccoli. That's a lot of broccoli. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, amazing so talk to me about the legitimacy of cheat days oh boy <laughs> cheat days I, I wish you all could see his face right now we, we call it zane face
1: a cheat day i'm not even sure what the point is um i don't know where to begin on a cheat day a whole day well the whole con- the
0: concept is you've worked really really hard at being good now you get to
1: Not be good. Undo it. (laughs) A whole cheat day. I know people ask me about cheat days and it's like a whole day of eating whatever you want. And they tend to be, especially if they think or they're, they're patting themselves on the back for following a diet all week. They tend to binge. I mean, they really have no rules. They're they're actually going overboard. Yeah. Set themselves back blood from a blood sugar, you know, perspective and water, water weight, all sorts of things for three or four days easily. Mm -hmm. Um, and then not to mention the cravings, getting back on track. I mean a cheat day. I mean a cheat even a cheat meal to me seems if your goal is weight loss and you're trying to get somewhere uh, effectively, why 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 throw it all off with an entire mm-hmm. meal of of something like a pizza or a bunch of pancakes and syrup or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you want to fully indulge in, throw yourself into four or five hundred calories of junk or stuff mm-hmm. that's taking you in the opposite direction. I don't understand the point. Now, if you're having a, a, a an indulgence, we've talked about this before like a serving of mm-hmm. something. Serving of indulgence that's once a week so a piece of pie or yeah, a, a couple cookies or a couple cookies or you just like I really like potato. I want to have a potato a big potato with the sour cream and the cheese yeah. and all the stuff in it. Great. Or you just your favorite burrito is somewhere Okay, it's a serving. It's a thing. You know, you're. you're having- and I'm not going
0: to be the weird dad this time that unpacks my burrito
1: because <laughs> I'm that dad. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Right. Yeah. I don't want to pull all the stuff out of it. Yeah, and yeah. unpack it and separate the tortilla. From- yeah. So it's it's. Uh, I've been that guy, of course, but it. I yeah, am that guy. Yeah. It's just <laughs> why, why set yourself? Why go backwards when you've gone through? Gone through yeah.
0: All I mean, I, I set you up because I knew that was going to be one of your hot buttons, but the concept of a cheat day really sets people up for failure. Um, Absolutely. Because most people overcompensate for the things the good that they think that they're doing and the good that they're doing they're really overestimating how much good they're doing. <sighs> right. And so well, then they,
1: they, they should be creating a new normal. Yeah. And instead of saying, well, this is like as if their normal or as if their good week was an extreme, mm-hmm. rather than re-creating or, or reestablishing a new normal lifestyle, a new mm-hmm. normal for their lifestyle, which that's how they should be looking at how they're eating as a a way they should be eating all the time in a lifestyle. Once they get to goal weight or they're at their goal point and they want to indulge, then they can make that choice. Mm-hmm. If they're just managing, they're maintaining, and they're great all the way, you know, that's, I think there's, there's room for some indulgence there. Yeah, because I would think about
0: indulgence as, I don't have a problem actually philosophically with cheating, like having some cheat moments. Right. But fundamentally a cheat day is flawed. And, Absolutely. And, and, and I think that you could even extend that to a cheat meal is flawed. I think that you would be much, much better served both in the short term and in the long term. In other words, get the itch scratched to cheat, but not derail all of your efforts by just saying, you know, today has been an incredible day. I'm going to have a cocktail, a cocktail, or I've had an incredible three days of dietary focus and lifting and sleep has been great. I'm going to have a few homemade cookies that are available to me or a slice of that pie, like a moment of indulgence. Right. In an otherwise really tight environment makes a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. It really prevents. Right. Any festering of that craving that ultimately will put you at risk for a cheat day.
1: Right. And they can be disastrous. Right. And it makes it more like a lifestyle when you have like, okay, I'm going to take a momentary divergence, intentional divergence for this thing, which is going to maybe have an effect of, of, a couple hours Mm -hmm. as opposed to a cheat day, which can affect days. Yeah. And not just undo what you've done and set you up
0: for days of repercussions. Right. it, It is. So I'm, I'm kind of a guy who am on one hand, I'm beating the drum. Cheat days are bad doctrine. Don't fall victim to thinking that you need to integrate cheat days. But I'm also over here saying, if everything else is tight, don't be afraid to have moments. Moments are okay. Days are bad. Right. And and having cheat moments feels very practical and very sustainable and very long term and not devastating. Right. There's nothing about a cheat day that makes sense to me. Mm-mm. Um, yeah. you know, going to the fair is fun. If you are going to split a funnel cake with your spouse. That could be a cheat moment and could be really fun and enjoyable, but the day leading up to it and the rest of the day after the funnel cake doesn't need to be all of that. Otherwise, you really set yourself up for um, disappointment, I think. Um, Oh, yeah. I I wanted to use this opportunity to talk about cheat days because cheat days come up. Well, when can I have a cheat day? Okay. Well, why don't we look for moments where we can have, weave in some smaller, less impactful, less, less negatively impactful, mm-hmm. but really great indulgences. Right. And it just, and I know for my own, I'm, I am weaving, I have woven in the occasional indulgence and I, I'm still navigating that for myself. Like how often? And how much? And that, right. that rhythm. I'm not sure yet. I'm still figuring it out. But it seems like a much more noble endeavor to figure that out than like, how can I work in a day of pizza and pancakes and cookies? Right. Yeah. You, you can't. You can't. No. <laughs> you cannot outrun your mouth, no matter how much you try. It's a really bad idea. It's a bad, it's a bad idea. Um, all right. So let's wrap this episode up with kind of – let's give me the – the doctrine according to Zane Griggs on uh, a second level thought on not defending why intermittent fasting is a great idea and you should do it, but give me the elevator pitch conclusion on here's how you should think about fasting. Here's how it's easily applicable and how people can take those next steps to not be, not get overwhelmed in implementing this, because I I know that there are a fair amount of people, especially after our last episode, they're very interested in this. Mm -hmm. But if there was a, a
1: two minute summary, now go do it. Like what would that sound like coming from Zane? Two minute summary, go do it. Okay. Don't fear it. First Mm -hmm. of all, because it's certainly a healthier choice than what you're probably currently doing. (laughs) Um, and, and, and don't, you know, so don't, don't, don't get stressed over it. It needs to work with your schedule. Mm-hmm. So I try to help people make it work with their schedule. So the work schedule is my lunch is usually at one thirty, and we have dinner with my family at seven. Okay. That works fine. Make it work with your schedule and don't create more stress around it. Work it into your current work life. It's got to be efficient with your mm-hmm. work life and your, and your work life balance, and your lifestyle. But you're just trying to create a 16 hour fasted window, which may or may not include some coffee and cream. It's be that simple. So, the simplest way is grab coffee, skip breakfast, have lunch when you have lunch with whole food. Um, may or may not be a low carb meal, but it'll go for the whole unprocessed foods. And then a, a dinner, which again could look like lunch or it could include maybe a little more. A serving of starch if you were eating low carb, but uh, just a a nice balanced meal with the like we talked about the veggies, clean protein, maybe a serving of starch, and and avoiding you know um, including alcohol. Okay, that's one we didn't talk about, but that that alcohol can throw that off Mm -hmm. as well. So we're not getting too deep in the weeds on that, but managing that as well. You know, making making sure that's that's managed in your um, in in your lifestyle but it's it's really could be simple as two meals. It could be a lunch and a dinner depending on your goals, may or may not be low carb, but go for a whole unprocessed food lunch and dinner it's It can be that simple and then walk it out and see how it works for you because to to think that you're going to have it all embraced and perfect and figured out your first week doing it is kind of it's, it's, it's not necessary. It's not necessary. So let it walk it out, figure out how it works best for your lifestyle, work it in. But just start walking out and implementing skipping breakfast, lunch, mm-hmm. dinner. It can be that that simple. With the confidence that you're benefiting yourself. Yeah. And sometimes going into it with that confidence, knowing that this is good for me, it can change your whole mindset and your attitude and the way that you approach it. You're less fearful about it. You're not worried about Am I hurting myself? Am I, is skipping meals going to cause my metabolism to crash, which is the biggest, mm-hmm. you know, fallacy what we've, we've heard, mm-hmm. you know, promoted by the fitness industry. Don't fear it, embrace it. And then that'll make the whole transition much, much Just easier. make it your own. Yeah. Make mm-hmm. it your own. And it makes it a lot easier when you're just not fearing it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time. Uh, I know you're a busy guy and um, this is going to, going to be a great episode. And I know, folks are going to really value another deeper conversation about this and um, hope to do it again soon, man. Thank you. Great. Absolutely. Thank you. I want to thank you so much for your attention. Listen, I don't take it for granted. It means the absolute world to me. You can find out more about today's episode at BrentwoodMD.com forward slash podcast. There you'll find the show notes, all the related links to this episode and tons of other resources. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. And if you've already subscribed, then it would mean so much to me if you left a review. If you think we'd be a good fit to work together, or you would just simply like to know more about the concierge services that I provide my private clients, email us at membership at BrentwoodMD.com. And now for the obligatory disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or the giving of medical advice as no doctor-patient relationship has been formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should seek the advice of their own medical professional providers.